Welcome to the Wicked Awesome Podcast. This is your host, Matt, speaking. It's been a couple weeks since I've done one of these. And I've wanted to do this episode for quite some time. Back when I had COVID in May, my friend Jen was sending me a bunch of songs uh, on YouTube. And I ended up creating a list of these songs that I... Uh, listen to while I had uh, COVID, five days of it. Anywho, a song by Blue Coast bleh, Blue Oyster Cult was shared by her to me, and that made me think. Blue Oyster Cult was headlined, well, maybe not headlined, but they were one of the bands that were supposed to play at the 1995 music festival in Fort Fairfield, Maine, known as Spudstock. Spudstock is a forgotten music festival, and there's many reasons for that. This was a festival that, I mean, for those of you who are not familiar, Fort, Field, Fort Fairfield, Maine is about as far as you can go in northern Maine. It's in Aroostook County. And potato fields, there's not a heck of a lot up there. There was an Air Force base that closed a few years before uh, in Limestone, a few miles away. And that brought, when the base was open, that did bring some people to that area. The base closed and people just flooded out of that area. And Fort Field was a town that never really had much as far as a population anyway. Just one of these rural towns with a whole lot of nothing. Now, every year for decades, there's been a potato blossom festival that happens in late July. And Spudstock was to coincide with the potato blossom festival. Now, Spudstock, 95. The summer of 1995... I was 24 years old, living in Orono, Maine. It was the last summer I lived in Orono, and I just remember it being a hot summer, like really, really hot. I lived in a townhouse at the time with no air conditioning, and it was just miserable. It was just miserable. I remember swimming in the Penobscot River, the uh, Stillwater River. I mean, both were just polluted by paper mills and whatever else that ran into these uh, rivers. And we didn't care. We just had to get cool somehow. We used to float on inner tubes. Uh, that way only part of our bodies were in there. But we actually did swim in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just unbearably hot all summer long. And... WKIT 100.3, the rock radio station in Bangor, Maine, the most popular rock radio station in the Bangor area at the time, probably still is, who knows, I stream all my music these days, 
or listen to NPR when I'm listening to the radio, like a good socially conscious person should. Anyway, WKIT promoted Spudstock heavily. Every time there was an advertisement for weeks, they were advertising this music festival that was going to take place in northern Maine. Now, why was this music festival a disaster? Well, on the top of it, they fully, the organizers fully expected 30,000 people to show up to this three-day festival. The highest estimate of attendance over the three days was 6,000 people total. Total. And from what I am understanding, reading the press and blogs that are out there regarding this, and there aren't many, that's a high estimate. It was probably more like maybe four to 5,000. I believe the organizers were the ones that said, okay, yeah, that's uh, not great attendance. It's about 6,000 people. I think they estimated rather high on this one. So why did so few people attend this thing? Well, let me read you the lineup of the notable acts. These are the most famous acts that played at Spudstock 95. I was going to preface this all by, with all the documentaries out there about Woodstock 99 and the disaster of Fire Island, how come no one's ever done a documentary on the failure of Spudstock 95? Well, it's one of these things, who really cares? Because these featured acts, the outlaws, who the hell are the outlaws? They're the ones that sang that song, Green Grass and High Tides Forever. What is it? Green Grass and High Tides or something? Forever. Who knows? But they're, I mean, maybe they had some other songs. And who knows how many original members were left in the outlaws? I mean, there were has-beens. They could have played at Pat's Pizza. And everyone would have been like, who? Rick Derringer was also a featured act. Rick Derringer, we know from singing Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Yeah, we know that one. Blah. The Guess Who. Everyone's like, yay, the Guess Who. Well, we know, the, we know the Guess Who. They sang American Woman, These Eyes, No Sugar Tonight. Uh, but the fact that this act since 1975 has been able to call themselves the Guess Who is really, really just a big lie. It's more like a Guess Who tribute band. There are no original members left of the Guess Who, and there weren't back in 1995. Eddie Money. We all know Eddie Money, right? Waiting so long. Two tickets to paradise. She was shaking. Take me home tonight. We just love that Eddie Money. Baby, hold on to me, Eddie. John Anderson. 
you might ask, who the hell is John Anderson? Well, that would be a very good question. Uh, John Anderson was a one-hit wonder in the country music. Yeah. He sang the song, Swingin', Just a Swingin'. Swingin'. Just a swingin'. I remember my mother getting the 45 of that and playing it, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of cute and catchy, but then after a while, kind of like the achy, breaky heart, you don't want to listen to the damn thing anymore. And I feel uh, regretful now that I just uh, put that song in your heads. If you don't know that song or remember that song, good for you. Doug Kershaw, you might ask. Who the hell's Doug Kershaw? Well, I ask myself that, too. He's a famous fiddler, and he sings covers of old folk tunes. Um, I almost think, now, I was going to say he sang that song in 1814, took a little trip. No, he didn't sing that. I think he just covered it. Uh, I had to look him up. He's still alive, 86 years old. So good for him. Blue Oyster Cult was a featured act, but Blue Oyster Cult refused to play. More on that later. And Quiet Riot, we all know Quiet Riot or remember Quiet Riot. We banged our heads to Quiet Riot, and we came over and felt the noise with Quiet Riot. And those are the featured acts. Now, a lot of local acts played as well. Devon Square being an act, I believe, out of Lewiston-Auburn played. Twisted Root, uh, who were quite a popular main act at the time, they played as well. They were from they're out of Portland. And so, anyway, really these acts are kind of just has-beens, a shell of their former height of popularity. I mean, Blue Oyster Cult, until Jen shared me that song, I know three songs by Blue Oyster Cult. And I'm not saying they're a bad band. I mean, they probably have a discography that um, I would enjoy. I honestly don't know. The three songs I know by Blue Oyster Cult are Godzilla. Oh, oh there goes Tokyo. Godzilla. Ooh, we know that one. And uh, Fear of the Reaper. Now we know that. Don't fear the reaper. That's a song on Saturday Night Live that Christopher Walken says he needs more cowbell on. We know that one. And another one by Blue Acer Cult is I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. And I swore for years that song was actually done by Jackson Brown. The guy singing it sounds like Jackson Brown. Um, anywho. Um... And so there's there's so there are a few sources on here. There's one article I found by a guy by the name of Gabriel B. Eber, or maybe that's pronounced Eba. I don't know. Gabriel B. Eba. Anyway, he was a Harvard student who wrote an article. He traveled to this Spudstock. I mean, it's a ways. I mean, even for me living in Ordo at the time, it probably would have taken me three hours to get there minimum. And that's part of the problem, too. Nobody's going to drive hours to go see a 
mediocre music festival. No one. No one. This play this this festival could have taken place in Portland, Maine, and it probably would have drew about the same number of people. Nobody cares about these bands other than the select few that chose to go. But anyway, Gabriel Eber wrote an article for the Harvard Crimson, actually, and this is what he wrote. If you take a map of the United States and place your thumb over Maine, Aroostook County lies directly under your thumbnail. And where the eastern part of your thumb meets the Canadian border, you'll find Fort Fairfield, home of Spudstock. Billed by his promoters as the largest outdoor music festival in the history of Maine, Spudstock was expected to attract well over 30,000 music lovers from around the region. It didn't. By the Monday after the festival, local radio newcasters had deemed the three-day affair dudstock. And I'll interject here. If you find the July 24th, 1995 front page of the Bangor Daily News, which you can find, but you got to dig for it, it says the exact same thing. It calls this festival dudstock. Mosh pits, however, uh, what's, I'm sorry, I missed something. But having already driven four hours to this area of Maine, known for its potatoes, I was determined not to let my press pass go to waste. Mosh pits, however, are not terribly conducive to reloading a camera. One by one, the featured acts took the stage. The Outlaws, Rick Derringer, the Guess Who, Eddie Money, John Anderson, and Doug Kershaw, Blue Oyster Cult, also scheduled to play left before performing amid rumors of a fist fight. More on that later. Quiet Riot, returning to Maine for its first time since 1983, attracted the most enthusiastic and energetic crowd. The characters in the audience were twice as interesting as the personalities on stage. A band of anarchists from Pittsfield, Maine, bemoaned the fact that you can't enter Canada if you've recently been convicted of drunk driving. After discovering that I was a Harvard student, a man in a straw hat revealed to me that he was the great-great-nephew of the father and son responsible for creating the university's world-famous glass flowers collection. Okay. People offered me drugs, alcohol, hamburgers in return for promising to run their picture in the paper. It wasn't long before I found out that potatoes, the namesake of the crop of the festival, were not only not the only greenery to be found in the county's fields. History may not look back on Spudfuck 95 with awe. In fact, it may not look back on it at all. So these photos may be your only glimpse of the music festival that for three days brought limited fame to that part of Maine, which lies where your thumbnail meets the Canadian border. Now, I could not find the photos that he speaks of in this article. However, there was a photographer that did take many photos, and they are available online. And in the links of this episode, the notes of this uh, episode, you'll find uh, those pictures. And what you notice is the lack of people. You have porta potties everywhere. You have food vendors, lemonade stands, what have you. Uh, a few tents, 
rider trucks, but just a lack of people in this huge, huge, huge field. And as I mentioned before, it was a hot summer. It was incredibly hot that day in this open field with no shade whatsoever. So who would even who would want to spend their time in the hot sun listening to Quiet Riot? Not I. Speaking of Quiet Riot, around this time, I remember seeing an MTV Where Are They Now episode, uh, and Quiet Riot was featured. And it was just this, in this point in the band, it was just the singer that was the the only original member, and they were playing just dive clubs. And people were taking pictures and kind of laughing. They were a joke at that point. So the band that played in 1983 in Maine was not the band that showed up at Spudstock. Now, the Blue Oyster Cult story is interesting. Uh, the kind of gentle story about Blue Oyster Cult not playing was that they the festival was pushed back a little bit because there was a rain delay, and they had to time. They had to have enough time to get to Canada for their next gig, but. Come to find out that wasn't true. Uh, A couple other things happened. Quiet Riot put on the best show of the weekend and played when the most people were there, and this was on Saturday. And Quiet Riot wanted to keep playing. Quiet Riot's crew was pretty insistent that they keep playing, and a fistfight broke out between Quiet Riot's crew and members of the Blue Oyster Cult, either band or crew as well. Also, there's some talk about somebody not part of the Blue Oyster Cult entourage, if you will, uh, touching their equipment. And only the Blue Oyster Cult crew was to touch their equipment. So anyway, a fight breaks out and they refuse to play. Eddie Money who probably was the most, to me, the most noticeable person that played at this festival, and maybe being the most reputable, and that's saying a lot right there, if I'm calling Eddie Money the most reputable, played from 12 uh, midnight till 3 o'clock in the morning from uh, Saturday to Sunday. And only 500 people showed up on Sunday. Only The whole day Sunday, the final day of the festival, only 500 people were there. The organizers had a hard time getting permits for various things leading up to this, which created a little bit of controversy, but they were able to. And in the end, they had to hire out law enforcement, medics, the whole bit, security, Uh, additional security other than uh, police officers and they overdid it and they promised overtime and all this other stuff which included ten thousand dollars to the local police department this uh, festival was so unsuccessful that they didn't have the money to pay the various people in the end they did also the security that was hired 
inside the festival didn't allow people to uh, mosh or bang against each other. Not that there were there weren't enough people there to mosh, but they just uh, no physical contact. So the they were really watching the dancing. And that was overdone. When John Anderson played, a lady uh, took a photograph or had her uh, camera, I almost said phone. People didn't take uh, cell phone pictures back then. She had her camera taken away. It's like, really? Uh, So, and there were a bunch of, they expected a bunch of Canadians to come in. What did happen was there was a big drug bus at the border because somebody tried to bring in a, a uh, bunch of marijuana and hashish and LSD to this music festival that was supposed to attract tens of thousands of people. So only a very few thousand people showed up to this thing. Meanwhile, the Potato Blossom Festival Parade that happened Saturday attracted 21,000 people, which was a record at the time. So. I think more people just decided they wanted to take part in the Potato Blossom Festival than Spudstock 95. Now, you can find a bunch of people, there are a few people that actually did go to this that wrote about their experience there. And some people actually really enjoyed it. There are people that just love music. They don't put the judgment on acts and types of music like I do. I mean, I'm a dink. I'm a dink when it comes to that. I I, I judge too harshly. As And I mean, I've, you can pick up on that in this episode as I talk about these has-been bands. Oops, I did it again. And there were certainly some... He write, One guy I'm looking at, uh, his the highlight to him for the whole weekend was when the Outlaws played Green Grass and High Tides. And there's a dueling guitar sequence in that song that was kind of kind of cool. He says he had to back up from it because his ears would would bleed, so it must have been pretty loud. Uh, yes, uh, some people like that in a concert. But anyway, that is uh, Spudstock '95 in a little bit of a nutshell. So if you've had experience or remember Spudstock, uh, nicknamed Dudstock95, let me know. I always love to hear feedback. And until next time, I will say I love you all. I enjoy doing these. Keep in touch, and thank you for listening. <laughs>